everyone. This is The Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime suspense and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that The Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service. You're in complete control of your own podcast. You can run it from your own website. And it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. My guest today is a screenwriter, author, speaker, and forensic specialist. Along with her crime fiction, she's published a book on forensics called Forensic Speak, How to Write Realistic Crime Dramas. That's what we need, more realism, yeah. She has also developed film and TV projects with Lifetime TV, Echo Lake, and many other producers. She's consulted on forensics with writers on shows like Bull, Hawaii Five-0, Leverage, and other shows. It's my pleasure to introduce my guest, Jennifer Dornbush. Hi, Jennifer. Uh, how are you doing? Hello. I'm very well. Oh, I'm a little sick, as we just mentioned, but I'm I'm fine. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Otherwise, you're fine. <laughs> Everything will be just fine. <laughs> it will all work out perfectly. Yes. <laughs> it will all be just fine. <laughs> In the scope of things, I am great. <laughs> as my sister likes to say, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Anyway, um, you do so many things, it's hard to know what to ask you about first, um, but tell us about your series, the one featuring Emily Hartford. What are oh, your stories about? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is my Corner Daughter Mystery Series. There are two books that are actually, you know, published live and out there, and there are three more on the way. Um, just recently signed a three book deal with Blackstone publishing and so the next one will be coming early 2023 and basically they are about um they feature Dr. Emily Hartford who's a young um up-and-coming doctor in Chicago and um she's also the daughter of a coroner who left her home when she was a teenager due to um tragic circumstances which I will not reveal because the book that's part of a big storyline in the book um, and she's called back, but she suddenly called back to her hometown because her father's had a heart attack and she's been estranged from him for 10 years. And so it's about, it's kind of about her returning back and sort of stepping into his shoes and in a way, um, basically doing death investigations in a way she never expected to, uh, for her a life to turn in that direction. <laughs> I never <laughs> expected to come back home. So yeah, she's, basically trying to run 
murder mysteries while also, you know, contemplating her medical career in the big city. And that's, yeah, that's her, her story. Is the first book The Coroner? The first book is The Coroner. The second book is Secret Remains. And the whole series is called The Coroner's Daughter. So Right. Yeah, because yeah. I just started reading the first one. And I was uh, pulled right in, actually, by the uh, scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Which you. She has to go do the surgery, and she seems so nervous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, like, really this brilliant surgeon. And... Uh, has you know just got engaged has this great fiance but then there's this hometown sweetheart that's sort of the the love that you know got away so yes emotionally too she it's going to be a series about her being really torn between two places and um yeah helping people yeah in the surgery room or helping people solve mysteries <laughs> so wow, that's excellent um it sounds like you have a plan for this series you've got books three to five uh plan to be released uh, starting next year yeah. um, is there a story arc that works its way through the through the series there will be absolutely because there's um you know every book will be its own murder mystery of course um and where she and she gets pulled in in various ways into these mysteries and and why she has to work on them but then there's also a really strong emotional just kind of personal arc of her it's a story about a woman, you know, trying to find out who she is again, because she, when she left her family in her hometown at 16, 15, 16, you know, she was one person and she has to find that person again, you know, who, who, who is real Emily and where does she belong? Does she belong in Chicago? Does she belong in this small town or, you know, this area? doing the things she sort of grew up doing with her alongside her father that she loved. Um, does she marry the cool, you know, surgeon <laughs> from Chicago? Does she marry the really awesome detective hometown hero <laughs> kind of person? It's, um, but it, you know, it is really about her too, like going through, I think, you know, there's that point in all of our lives. Cause when we meet her, she's like 27, 28, 29. She's kind of on that that cusp where we all kind of look back and say okay what who really am I what am I doing with my life where do I how am I going to shape my life from here on out and so she's at that point in her life where she's like who who am I what am I going to do with all this all it's sort of like she has this great toolbox of skills um and I think a lot of us are fortunate enough to be faced with that when we have so many amazing things and opportunities and choices we could do but what is the best thing for us to do mm -hmm. how are we going to make the most impact on on the world um, while also you know fulfilling our our purpose and our soul that's great um it sounds almost like you have a great concept here for a television show frankly i hope so we're working on it <laughs> so yeah we i was um contracted last year with lifetime tv to develop the first two books as movies they're doing they're doing this thing what they call a movie wheel which is almost like a movie of the week it's like a series of movies um and so we're we're writing the first two right now where we've written them and we're kind of waiting to hear now from lifetime if they're going to go ahead with them and what that looks like and so we're kind of in a fingers crossed moment 
Oh, wow. It's that uh, production hell period. <laughs> Gosh, I'll take, yeah, that pre-production or development <laughs> hell. That's what we're development in. Development hell. That's, that's what yeah. we're in. Thank yes. you. Development purgatory. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yes. Oh, I, I love those terms. <laughs> oh, goodness. So we're... The whole idea of hell or purgatory going along with all this right. stuff. Right. I um, think it's been more like purgatory. It's actually been a really great experience working with Lifetime and, and the producers. And now it's just like we've delivered and we're waiting to get the green light. So. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. Um, how did you uh, end up writing screenplays? I understand you wrote them before you wrote novels. I yeah, I, I've always been a writer. I always knew I was going to be a writer since I was a kid. But um, when I was in college, I really started to be, I started to study in Hollywood and, and really learn, um, understand the craft of film and TV making, and then um, kind of ran away from it for a while, came back to it 10 years later, and really, you know, moved to LA, dove in, really started to study the screenwriting craft. Um, so that's kind of where, where I, my first truly trained writing experience comes from. Um, I love the medium of, of screenwriting. I really do. It really sharpens you as a writer. It really makes you think through story and plot and character. And then of course you have to be really <laughs> succinct writer. Like we're all, it's funny because like as a novelist, it's always about how many words, the more words, the more words, the more pages. And as a screenwriter, it's the opposite. It's about we can only have a hundred pages. We can only have, you know, it's always about cutting. Mm -hmm. So it, um, it's really interesting how exercise is two parts of the brain. Um, and I, I love them both, but yeah, my first, um, many, I don't know, 15 plus years I spent writing screenplays. So, yeah. I think it's great training for writing, uh, novels, <clears throat> frankly, because you really learn about how to create characters and and believable dialogue and what's needed and what isn't. And I mean, as far as novels go, you can just expand on what you've got after you've got the screenplay, you know? <laughs> right, right. You're so it's so true. I <clears throat> I find I, I never have any problem writing dialogue. Um it's like writing screenplays, you start to hear those voices all the time. You're just living with that. And it's really true. I, I'm really grateful for my screenwriting training. And I think it makes you a very visual writer. I know people have read my work and said, oh my goodness, I can picture this. I can, it, it read so fast. I can picture what's happening as if it's a movie. I'm like, oh, there's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um... I think, uh, well, what kind of schedule do you keep for writing novels versus screenplays? How do you divide your time? Because I find it's a struggle. I do both also, but not, <laughs> yeah. not nearly as successfully as you do. <laughs> um, I just, I keep a writing schedule in general. And so I keep a very, I'm a very business-minded individual. I just do a nine, you know, I do my nine to six or seven you know, schedule, I, I keep business hours and I try to get my week, take my weekends off. And I try to keep work and home, you know, separate because I think it's healthy. <laughs> um, and so for me, it's just like whatever projects are on my plate is what gets worked on. So, you know, I'll look at what, what's due and when, and how, how many, 
how long is it going to take me to get it done? And I'll break it into blocks of weeks. And okay, this week I need to work on this screenplay and this novel. Or so it it changes all the time, honestly, depending on what's who wants what. <laughs> so. It helps to be flexible when you do this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. As you said, to keep a schedule as far as writing goes. Mm -hmm. That yeah. discipline is very important. Very important. I spent probably the first five plus years of my writing life just figuring out the discipline part and and becoming disciplined. Because at that point, you know, there's nobody really looking or asking for your work. You know, you're just creating work, creating projects, and 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 so that's the time if you can do it then when nobody's you know when you've got no deadlines and it's all self-motivated then you're set you know <laughs> that's it that's a yeah you, you really do have to be self-motivated at first but you know if you can get up get noticed then right. maybe you know right it's very speculative though <laughs> very oh yes and one thing that I think discourages many authors from trying to write screenplays is the fact that the industries, while in a way connected, are very, very different. <laughs> like you have to follow different. two industries at once. You do. It's kind of exhausting. Um, it is. <laughs> it really yeah. is. I was surprised at how different they were. I mean, I always knew they were different, but they are very different. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm grateful for my literary agent because she's the one who really helps me follow the book industry. Whereas the, the Hollywood industry, the screenwriting, you know, the entertainment industry, I really follow um, because that's where I started, obviously. And so, uh, and I think, you know, you really in that industry, you, the Hollywood industry, you really have to be your own advocate even more so than in publishing because I rely on my agent for so, so much. And, you know, in the literary industry, like you, as an author, you can't just submit stuff. You can't just query really. A lot of times, if you know, you, things do have to go through an agent. Um, so I don't even have the opportunity to make those relationships until I actually sell something, you know, and then I'm making a relationship through an editor and stuff. But um, with the Hollywood, it's complete opposite. It's you have, you really need to be out there. Yeah. Agents and managers have their place. They do. But at the end of the day, it's, it's up to you to pound the pavement and make the relationships and <laughs> knock on the door. That's so true. It's so true. Um, yeah, it is very much a, a business of relationships because mm -hmm. it's a group project, essentially. Anything you do mm -hmm. in screenwriting is going to be a group project. Exactly. So exactly. that's why it's so important to make those relationships, you know, to it establish is. them so that people will trust who mm -hmm. you are, where you come from, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Can they and work with you? <laughs> exactly. It's so true. And like, being a part of a team like now that I've been working on this lifetime project I mean I've known I've been a part of this team that now for probably two and a half at least two and a half years these producers and then we added a third and then now lifetime it's just like I've known you know you really do become a team for a long time um you know years <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah it's important yeah. to be a team player <laughs> it's it's big it's huge uh, and there are a lot of moving parts yeah um 
So what are you working on now? Um, working on the next book for, you know, for the coroner's daughter, um, which I'm titling right now, last one alive. We'll see if that sticks. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> and we're still working, you know, we're, you know, in the midst of all these lifetime movies, um, I'm actually working on two TV pilots, which are just speculative. They're just things that I'm personally working on, uh, with different, um, entities just to kind of you know have a little help but one of them is based on a, a thriller I wrote called Hole in the Woods based on a true crime thriller so I'm developing that into a limited series and the other one is actually not crime related at all but just sort of a passion project I've had for about 20 years and is more of a historical biopic huh. and yeah I was, I was going to ask you about your true crime thriller uh tell us a little about that yeah so Hole in the Woods is based on a case that I followed for over 25 years and from my hometown. Um, it is fictional, the story is fictional and it, it but it, there's a lot of the, the people and the circumstances that are very tied closely to what actually happened. And it follows, gosh, the story itself, the main character is a, a, um, kind of a fish out of water Detroit detective who's been called into this small town in Michigan to work on this cold case and it's really not um it's really not a whodunit because everybody knows whodunit but they have never been able to capture these people and so she comes in and she sort of has to unlayer <laughs> unlayer or de-layer de I don't know <laughs> um peel back the layers <laughs> of this town and its people to figure out how she's going to pin this murder on these two brothers because um, everybody and if they actually did it and who's involved and um, were there more people involved so anyway it's kind of all these layers that she has to to figure out um, and it's really a, a story of people keeping secrets and and yeah. it's based on a true event mm -hmm. yeah it's based on a true crime that a true murder brutal murder rape case that happened and when I was I guess I would have been 18 at the time. And so was the gal who was killed. Um, and yeah, I just followed her case and her story. I got to sit in on her trial about six years ago. No, seven. Oh my goodness. Almost seven years ago, they finally did catch the guys who did it and put them to trial. And yeah, it was pretty incredible case. I just, as I was and I researched it for a long time and it took me almost five years to write it. Um, this is very emotional and I told, I tell it from a lot of different points of view. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It has a very redemptive ending. So, yeah. Well, that sounds interesting. Very interesting. Um, what writers inspire you most? Oh my goodness. So many, um, you know, and excuse my voice because I've had, <laughs> okay. been struggling with a sore throat all week. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> trooper. Oh gosh. <laughs> I just need a cough drop. That's what I need. Um, I have been reading and listening to stories since I was a baby. My parents were so good about telling us stories 
re reading stories to us. But I mean, we were constantly going to the library. They would buy books for us. We had a book fund. So we would, we'd be able to like once a month, take money out of the book fund and we could pick any book we wanted, you know, to purchase. So I, when you, when people ask like, oh, you know, my favorite authors, there's just been so many throughout the years, I think that have shaped me from, from children's literature, you know, through great classic, I love great classic literature. I love it. Um, and I studied it. I, that was my, one of my majors in college was classic literature. So gosh, I have so many, so very, very many. I, I do believe that people should read great the great classics. I think um, it's so fundamental. For, for us as storytellers um but I think I would have to say too like I I was thinking about this question because I get it a lot and thinking like the one book there's one book in my life that I have read over and over and over since I was a kid like and I read it almost every day I read this book almost every day parts of it and I've read it in many different versions um and it never gets old. It has some of the most incredible stories and poetry um, in the world. And it's the Bible, the Holy Bible. And I have read that book since I was a kid. And um, that's pro I would say that's definitely the most influential book in my life, just because there's just, it's just uh, pretty incredible. <laughs> it's just a pretty incredible book. <laughs> so it <yeah>. is. <laughs> yeah. And um, I've studied it. I've, yeah, it's got, I mean, everything from science fiction to poetry, to love stories, to, I don't know. It's just amazing. <laughs> interesting. I never thought of uh, the Bible as science fiction, but it would yeah. be interesting to read maybe, it with that in mind. <laughs> maybe I should say ap ap apocalyptic like revelations maybe right. that's maybe, maybe a better um description yeah apocalyptic very it, interesting it's so descriptive um there's so many different styles of literature within the book and so i think just from hearing it over the years it um it's a very, you know, I studied rhetoric with my, my master's in rhetoric and rhetorically, there's so many different styles that as a writer, um, you just became, it's just become ingrained. I don't know. It's just, yeah. There's been times when I've struggled with it or I'm like, I don't get, I don't get what this means. I don't get what it's, it's metaphorical. There's a lot of metaphor. Um, it's, I mean, there's parts that are just flat out like X-rated. I mean, it's very graph. I mean, it's pornographic in part. I mean, it's just got everything. <laughs> everything. The story that has everything. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in writing for a living? Um, <clears throat> I think knowing that it's um i guess be first of all you have to know that it's a calling that you're called to i think you have to know that it's a calling that you're called to it because it is a very entrepreneurial type of career um and like you said um you didn't use the word subject speculative i think is the word you use it's speculative it's subjective um so you really 
it, like any art, it isn't art, um, like sculpting or painting or dancing, you know, or being a musician. Um, you, I do believe you have to have a calling for it. Um, and so make, make sure that, you know, test that calling out. I did that a lot. I took, I really tested my calling for a long time um, to make sure it was true. And then, you know, read and learn and write. I mean, there's kind of no subs, like if you're a pianist, there's no substitute for playing the piano every day. It's kind of a yeah. no-brainer. That's what you do. So, yeah. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, right. practice, practice. Exactly. How do you get a published book? Right, right, right. That's so, it. Send, the, send, send. Send, send, send. Yeah, and never give up. And just never, ever, ever give up you know that's it never give up yeah uh let's see how did you end up consulting for television i think that is so cool you know a lot of the the people because i you know lived in la for 14 years and a lot of my friends are writers a lot of them write for film and tv and so really it was just word of mouth quite honestly you know there's not like a a want ad or anything for <laughs> you know word got out that i this is what i did and people would call or email so again it's about a function of networking yeah yeah um let's see is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up um oh my goodness uh no it's just so such a blessing to be a part of a community of writers and readers and I think art is going to be the thing that really saves this world. Um, so we all have to keep doing it. <laughs> I love that thought. That is a great thought. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here today. Debbie, thank you so much for what you're doing. It's my pleasure. It really is. I love talking to authors. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to remind everybody before I go that um, if you support the podcast on Patreon, you'll get access to downloads of both Crime Cafe ebooks, the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can also buy them from any major retailer. Uh, so please consider checking out the Patreon page and um, you'll see that uh, patrons also get access to bonus videos and uh, audio chapters of my work if you uh, contribute at a certain level. Um, on our next episode, I will have Robert McCall. And until then, take care and happy reading.